Well, I'm Warren. I'd also remind everybody that uh, just this service this morning here, and instead of our evening service, we're going to be at Mustang Bow. We're supposed to meet at 6 out there. I would suggest that you get there earlier than that. We're hoping for a pretty good crowd out there. Uh, 10 to 12 churches involved, so there, there should be a good crowd. Uh, we'll be meeting on the west side of the, uh, of the Mustang Bowl. They have the gates open on both the north and the south side. I don't know most of you people don't know directions, but ask your, your, your husband. So both of those will be open on the home side. And so uh, bathrooms will be down at the south end by Larry's house. So, uh, uh, she'll last about an hour. Uh, you cannot bring chairs out there. They don't want their track or their football field to be punctured with chairs. I get it. So, if you can't stand for an hour, uh, and you just can't do it, uh, then uh, you can never be an Aggie. Right? Josh, they stand for the entire football game. So, no, you, you can sit in the stands up there. But at the end of it, uh, I would recommend it, you can't stand. Because at the end of it, we're going to try to circle the football field and pray. That's going to be our, at least our attempt. So, uh, you know, you may have some trouble getting out of the uh, stands. Uh, I don't know. I guess we'll have to deal with the logistics of that as we see it. So, that uh, starts at uh, 6. We're going to start on time. And uh, that's why I will say, if you're smart, you can get there early. So you can get a good parking place and get your place. Uh, the the worship team from New Jerusalem will be doing the music this time. And uh, we have a lot of stuff that we're going to do. So it'll be fun. It'll be fun. You know, that's uh, actually what we do. why we do those things. Why do we do those things? Because Jesus prayed that we would. Jesus prayed, his last prayer was in John 17, and he prayed that we would become one. Just as he and Father God are one. One in each other, one with Father God. And that's part of his plan. The end time plan of God has always been throughout the entire Bible. It was kind of a mystery in the, in the Old Testament. It becomes clearer and clearer as we get through it. That God's plan is to unify the body of Christ into the bride of Christ. And present her to Jesus when he comes. And the Bible says that when he does come, we will be like him. So the bride will be... Sufficient, shall we say, to be the helpmate of Jesus Christ. She will be like him because she'll see him as he is. You know, all the New Testament apostles, Peter, John, James, uh, uh, Paul, what they call Peter? They all spoke to this and wrote about this over time. Each one had different ways of describing what they saw. Uh, Peter talked about our divine nature, that we, we get the God's nature as we fellowship with God. So that's becoming like him. John said that we would be like him. Uh, Paul wrote about it, that we would all be filled with the fullness of God, and to the perfect man, just like Jesus. So all these apostles looked at that and spoke to that. And in a way, uh, they all had the same answer. That to get us where we need to go, we have to deal with the flaws and the divisions and the, and the, the problems that are in the body of Christ. And the way to do that is where we've been for the last couple of months. The way, the tool that God uses to fix us and make us one 
is the love of God. The love of God, the agape love of God, cures us. But it's not alone. It's the love of God used with the truth of God, spoken to us in love, that fixes what's wrong with us. In a way, they were echoing what Moses saw on the mountain when he asked to see God's glory. And God spoke his name to Moses, citing the attributes of God in that name, and two of them were love and truth. There is this word called hesiodos, which is a, a term of language, linguistic stuff, where you have two nouns, independent nouns, truth, love, that are used together to describe each other. Each one needs the other to convey the, the thought that's being put forth. So, love, to be fully what God has for it, needs truth. And likewise, truth, which sets men free, must have the love of God attached to it in order to set men free. You divide them, and it just doesn't work. Not very well, at least. That's what he's speaking right now to his body. Now, in 1 Peter 4, let's go there. We'll see more of this today. Uh, look what Paul, I mean what Peter says here about our day. 1 Peter 4, verse 7. It says, the end of all things is at hand. Well, I would say that's probably true. Especially today. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, so given that truth, here's what you ought to be doing. Be serious and watchful in your prayers, and above all things, have fervent love for one another. For love will cover a multitude of sins. And when he said that, what he was doing was quoting Proverbs 10:15, where it says that love covers a multitude of sins, but hatred stirs up strife. Which one do you think is going on in America today? Hatred. There's strife everywhere. But the answer to that is not more hatred and more strife, or better hatred and better strife. No, the answer to that is love. Because love covers all sins. The multitude of sins. Now, and to make this a complete story, Peter has also got to bring up the other portion of that, Hidonias, which is truth. Look down at verse 11. Therefore, if anyone speaks, 11, if anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracle of God, or as the utterances of God himself. So, have love, and listen for God to speak to you, so that you can speak as if it was God himself speaking right now. That's our goal. All right? This will handle what's ahead of us. Now, last week we saw uh, that this whole thing that God is doing started with love. God so loved the world. John 3, 16. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believed in him would not perish but have everlasting life. So your life with God was started with love. Then further on in that same mouthful that John had in John 3, he then begins to speak what happens when love is sent into your life. Jesus Christ himself comes into your life. He is the light of the world. He gives you life, and that life is the light of the world. And that light, when it comes into your life, 
is going to start doing stuff. You can't stop it. Light will go into whatever darkness is in your life and illuminate it. Now we'll get into the truth section. Because what happens to us when light comes into our world, it has to change things. And the way he said it changes things is that men will either stay right where it's at or they will run from it because they are afraid that their deeds would be exposed. Their deeds of darkness would be seen clearly, exposed. That is a Greek word called elenko. Elenko. We talked about that last week. Elenko is an amazing word. Basically what elenko means is to speak the truth in love. Elenko calls people out. It brings things to the light. It exposes what is being hidden. And therefore, it calls you to account. We do this with one another. Calls you to answer why. It shows you the fault that's in the relationship, and it basically demands you to explain it. Why is this here? And it corrects it. Last week, we had such a good time. Oh, at least I had a good time. Many of you look like you just sucked a pickle. A sour one. Because we started applying it to marriage. How many of you think that when you first got married, everything was perfect? Most of you probably thought it was pretty daggone good because you were in love. Love covers the multitude of sin. Am I right? I mean, she couldn't do anything wrong. Even though she can't cook bacon, who cares? Six months later, you care. Right? Here comes truth. And you begin to say, well, honey, always preface it with honey. I love the way you cook bacon, but could you cook it a little less than 35 minutes? Five, three. Especially in the microwave. So we start speaking to what is not correct in the relationship, and it, we get better as a couple. And the two become one. Am I right? What we having fun? And what we found out, though, that there wasn't so much fun, is that where Elanco, where you really pierce the darkness, is usually in the area to which you have been called to do, and you're not doing it. There are two areas that we are all called to do together, as a husband and a wife, and we're showing the world what Jesus will do with his bride. Okay, so we're modeling something here. And y'all remember what those two were? Let me just remind you. Because I don't want you to blow this. What are husbands supposed to do, ladies? Love her. Do you think, ladies, that he knew how to do that the day he married you? Really? Have any of you you had to correct him concerning how a man is to love his wife? You can, say, you can say yes. It's true. I will speak on behalf of most men. I did not have a clue. I thought marriage was eating and sex. What? <laughs> so, I, I had to be taught. I had to be taught. 
What? Love looks like. And who's the recipient of that love? She is. Don't you think she should, that she should have a voice in describing what this love is like? Don't shout me down because I'm so good. You know I'm sitting in front, don't you? Too bad. And the part we ended up last week was, how about the other way? What's the woman supposed to do? Respect her husband. And I suggested meekly that I don't think women know how to respect a man. And I wouldn't put you down. I mean, I thought I was. Well, maybe I was. Maybe I didn't mean it. Maybe you should forgive me if I was. Here's my point. How would you know how to respect a man? Who taught you? Who taught you to respect, how to respect a man? Did your mother? Did your father? Did your sisters? Did your friends? In this broken world, who taught you to how to respect a man? Usually nobody. We just assumed that we knew. And I'm telling you, ladies, I'm not trying to put you down. You don't know. You really don't know. And men are too chicken to tell you. I'm also telling you the truth right there. And you can go for years like that, men, until you die. And I don't mean that do, but they're mad crotchety old farts, pardon me. They are. They're bitter. And they're having a real hard time loving her. Because she's stomping all over his air hose. His air hose is respect. She's stomping on it. She doesn't even know it. So how is she supposed to stop it? Elanto, you tell her what is wrong. When you say these words, it pierces me. You think it's funny. I don't. In fact, I take it the other way. And it makes me want to get away from you, not be in your presence, go get drunk, something, and you wonder what's wrong. And how come you're not loving me? Because I can't stand being around those barbs that you're sending my way. Ain't it? So, you must bring her to account and reveal the way it really is supposed to be. Not the way you've been taught in this crooked, corrupted world in the United States. We are so screwed up concerning male-female roles. How could we have learned any of this correctly? You're sure not getting it in school. Ain't that? I substitute talk for seven years. The thing that really drove, one thing that drove me out of there was this, this mantra that was going around. And the girls had t-shirts with, literally, they wore t-shirts in, in middle school saying, girls rule. Where the blank do you get that in the Bible? That is absolutely a lie. It's sin. It's wrong. It's an iniquity. It'll send you to hell if you don't watch out. So who's going to stop it? Men will. By telling their wives the truth, spoken in love, I'm not going to leave you over this. I just want you to look at what it's doing to me. This is how the body of Christ perfects itself. Silence again. Must be the same issue. The same crowd. Wrong with y'all. Okay, so that's what we talked about last week. Well, 
the interesting thing here is it you is being focused right now on the very thing that we are called to do, but we're not getting it done. Husbands need to love better, wives need to respect better, and they need each other to coach them to get there. This is what the body of Christ is supposed to do. And elenco each other. Follow the pattern of Jesus. Look at Mark 10. This is how he does it. Mark 10. Y'all silence is golden. I just love it. I think I just see the lanko in it. Mark 10. Look at what Jesus does. Does three things when it comes to an issue. Mark 10, verse 17. Now, as Jesus was going out on the road, one came running. Now, look at this guy. He came running after Jesus. He knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? This guy sounds serious. He ran after him. When he got to him, he fell before him, and he begged him to give him an answer about eternal life. He is serious. 18. So Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one. That is God. You know the commandments. And what he's going to do here is quote the second half of the Ten Commandments. The ones about how you're supposed to love your neighbor. You know, the first five commandments are how you love God. The second five is how you love your neighbor. And he quotes the second five. Keep reading. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. And he answered and said to him, Teacher, all these things I have kept from thy youth. This guy is a serious disciple. He ain't a part-timer. He's all the timer. I've been studying to do these things. He's young. And he's done all the things. And yet he, he knows something's lacking. So Jesus is going to answer the issue. Just like we talked about a while ago with husbands and wives. He's going to do it. Look what he does. Verse 21. Then Jesus, number one, he looked at him. That is no common word for look, people. That word look is like, it's no more than just, you know, you, you check it in your vision or something. Those, oh, there's Ryan right there. There's a lot more than that here. He literally is doing what they call, here's an idiom for what he is doing. He is looking at him with his mind's eye. Another idiom, he is seeing him from this heart. I'm, my heart is seeing you. What Jesus is about to do, and he's already started to do, it, is fulfilling the scripture in Isaiah 11 about himself. That the Spirit of God would be all over him. He'd be full of the Spirit of God. And get this, and he would not judge according to the seeing of his eye or the hearing of his ear, but with righteous judgment he would judge his people. And equity. So he's not, he's not approaching the situation with what is obvious. That anybody can see this. No, he's looking at it with his heart's mind. His heart's eye. He's, he's letting the Holy Spirit speak to him. Concerning this guy I'm looking at. I'm studying him. Number one, he, he looked at him. Number two, he loved him. 
He took the moment to get his heart right, and he agape this guy. What does Rob do? Cover the multitude of sin. And if you want a really a good reading of what that does, read 1 Corinthians 13. All the things that love will do is how to handle negativity. So he's preparing himself. I want to look at this man not based on what I know or what I can see, obviously. I want the Holy Spirit to speak to me so I can speak as the oracle of God. And I'm going to go beyond my personal feelings and I'm going to love him no matter what. No matter what condition he's in. I don't care if he's a Democrat. I'm going to love him. And then he speaks the truth. He says, okay, one thing you like. Here comes the white coat. Truth spoken in love. One thing you like. Go your way, sell whatever you have, and give it to the poor. And you have treasure in heaven, and come take up your cross and follow me. But he was sad at this word, and he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. I wonder if there's something wrong here. Folks, do you not know the Scriptures? To whom much is given, much is expected. Is that true? Do you think that maybe this guy's Psalm 139 calling, Jeremiah 29 11 calling in life, is to be a giver to the poor? God gave him great wealth for what reason? So that he could hold it together and have more? This is going to be an issue in the body of Christ. Don't kid yourself. We've already spoken this several times. There are ministries out there that have got over a billion dollars cashed away. Do you think they really need that much money? Do you think? Why was that money given? To touch people. Not to put it in some bank account in an overseas bank. You get my point? He's coming after this stuff. And where does the judgment begin? The house of the Lord. Okay? The house of the Lord. So, this guy, I think, just like we talked about, the husbands are supposed to love the wives, and the wives are supposed to respect the husbands. They ain't doing it. The call of their life is not getting done until Jesus comes, beholds them, loves them, and tells them, this is where you're missing it. And I mean, it pierces. This guy was not happy because of what he heard. He cried. He cried and went away. My Lord. Look at First John 3. First John 3. Verse 16. By this we know love. Because he laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. <clears throat> but whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God, agape, abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Wow. You know what? I've, I've been talking to you guys about where God's been leading me personally. And he's, he's led me to racial divides and into the culture of other races where, I'll just be straight up with you, they're not as wealthy as white people. 
One of Knox's has always been out there from the black community that we need, everybody needs to pay their fair share. You ever heard that? How does that make you feel? When you hear that, how does that make you feel? Angry? Maybe they got a point. Because when much is given, much is expected. Can we literally keep turning our eyes from the issues that are right in front of us on TV? Baltimore. My God. How about San Francisco? How about L.A.? The poor you always have among you. What do we do about that? Now, folks, I'm not saying that we've got to go out there and save everybody. I'm just saying maybe we ought to back away a little bit and listen. There's probably a message out there that we are not wanting to hear. So I convinced everybody, I can tell. I don't think we're going to be able to address their issues until we're willing to listen to theirs. I just don't think it's going to get there. Love is the answer. Now, maybe they'll start adjusting things when they think that you care. I'm just saying. Think about it. Maybe you should pray about it. I, it's so easy. I mean, how many of you, you know, one of these people on the, uh, on the freeways, they're always asking for money. What do you do? And I know some of you actually get to it. i got to be honest with you. I'm not one of those. Just being honest. So, something's got to change. You get my point? We are hoarding up vast sums of money as a nation. We really are. And we don't want to touch it. We don't want to touch the problems. We really don't. Only on our terms. I can really tell you guys believe what I'm saying. <laughs> you don't think about it. I mean, God is calling me out. He's calling me out. He's, he's knocking on my heart. Man, what are you doing about this? He's just blowing it off? I started thinking here a few years ago, what's it like to be a black man? What's it like to grow up always as a black man? Always having people look at me like I just did something. You know, we know how we are. They walk into a store, what do you do? Oh, my God. How would that feel, 365 a year, every day, getting that kind of rejection? Now, we could say, you know, I saw this on, on YouTube or on Facebook, one of those god-awful deals. Uh, they, had a, they had a bunch of bikers or something up in Washington, D.C. They were all for Jesus, you know, and, and uh, they had Trump and all that. They were all the good guys. And here comes these uh, Black Lives Matter guys. Don't see that. And, uh, and I thought, oh, this is going to be a, all the news people came up. They're going to see this. We're going to have a collision. And they did. And yet, the black guy was offered by the white guy to get up and speak. And he was saying, black lives matter. There's a, all lives matter. This is true. I'm also talking about abortion. We don't want to. But he started talking. He started talking. And the next thing you know, they could hear that that man was a Christian. And he had a lot of things to say. But they actually wanted to hear what he had to say. There's our direction. 
laid out the arms. Hear what's being said. Hear the hearts of people. There's always going to be collisions, but listen to their heart. That's what I'm trying to say. If they're saved and Christians, we need to open up a little bit. Okay, I've got a long ways with that one. There are other issues that we have to deal with. Jude. This is interesting. Jude. Jude, uh, there's only one chapter. Look at the caption above verse 5. You're not, well, you should be close to it if you're in first John. Jude. The caption above verse 5 is old and new apostates. Let's talk about people who slip. Now, we talk about people who are not doing their calling, like the rich young ruler and Elanco, husband and wives as well, Elanco. We need to correct them with truth spoken in love. What about apostates, people who slip away? There's three classes that Jude talks about. Look at it in verse 11. <clears throat> Woe to them, for they have gone in the way of Cain. There's one. They have run greedily in the air of Balaam for profit, too, and they perished in the rebellion of Korah. Three. These are spots in your love feast, while they feast with you without fear, serving only themselves. They are <clears throat> clouds without water, carried about by the winds, late autumn trees without fruit, twice dead, pulled up by the roots, raging waves of the sea, foaming up their own shame, wandering stars for whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. Woo! Doesn't look like a good end to these guys. I mean, he describes them twice dead. How do you do that? Well, you were dead in your trespasses when you were born. At some point, you get born again, and now you're alive. If you lose that, you're dead again. Twice dead. So, anyway, let's look at these three groups of people. There's things that we need to know. As the body of Christ is moving towards being the bride of Christ, like Jesus, we need to have some wisdom concerning issues in the body. And here's three of them. The first, we're going to kind of change the order of them, but the first one is Cain. Cain's way. That word way is also used as wayside in the parable of the sword. And that's like the parable of the sword. The threshold for becoming into the body of Christ is you hear the word of God. It comes into your heart. Immediately, Satan comes to steal it. And you turn back and go back the way you, you walked in. You go back to your old way. So for me, when I got saved, there was a battle over my soul. I was a dope-smoking dude. Seven years. But today, I, after I got saved, the battle was on. You're going to give that up because you can't walk with God stoned. Can't do it. I had to understand that's the truth. The battle was on. I got over that battle. And I'm past that test and moved on. Folks, there's a lot of people, especially coming up soon, with this great revival that's coming, there will be also a large number of them who will fall by the wayside. They will not want to give up their old way. Amen. Just be wise about that. You know, don't, don't hang your hand on the fact that some of them get saved and they walk out that door and they, and they turn right back to where they were. Watch out for that. And we know what happened to Cain. You know, he ended up not repenting. 
And he killed his own brother, and that marked him forever. Amen? There's one of them. The other one I want you to look at is Korah. Korah is like the reverse of the rich young ruler. The rich young ruler would not do what he was called to do. Korah wanted to do what others were called to do. He wanted to be the leader. He was a, he was a Jew. He was also a Levite, so he was called to the priesthood. But he was not Moses and Aaron. And he wanted to run the show like they did. Uh, here's my recommendation for those who walk in rebellion. If you know someone that's a, re- a rebellious heart, if I were you, I would get away from them. Because what happened to Korah was the earth opened up, and everybody that was on his side, down she goes that day, and the earth closed up. And that was very great. They did. So, if you know, you got some friends out there who are wild at heart. They just want to be a rebel. Without a cause, you ought to get out of there. That ain't funny. Get out of there. The third one is Balaam. The error of Balaam. And we're going to talk a little bit about that today because this one matters to us. The error of Balaam. That word, error, is this Greek word, is a Greek word called plan A. Plan A. And it also is termed as a wandering star further down there. Plan A. It means to stray. Have a wrong opinion about morals or religion. And your opinion leads to actions. You end up doing things. This error leads to deceiving others or defrauding other people. Here's some idioms for plan A. To twist people's thoughts. To cause what is false to seem like the truth. To dig away from the truth. God, this sounds a lot like the charismatic movement. It really does. There are many things about that movement of which we've been a part that are true. But man, do they ever take money scriptures and twist them and avoid scriptures that would violate their doctrine? Did you notice the latest one? Um, Shall I call the dude? Oh, the, the okay, Benny Hinn uh, came out against the prosperity gospel. Oh, how fortuitous. After 40 years of doing it and getting wealthy, out, you know, staying in the hotel rooms at, what, $4,000 a night or something ridiculous? Uh, how much? $20,000 a night. Now we're against it. Really? I would be like John the Baptist with stuff like that. Repent and do the works to show that you repented. Give the money back. You get my point? Judgment begins at the house of God. And I already mentioned the billionaires that are in the body of Christ, and it ain't him. And I know everybody pulls up one from Houston, it ain't him. You guys are missing it. It's a lot closer than you think it is. What's the problem? And when you start diving into this thing, it can corrupt you in a minute. What, what corrupted Balaam? Money! Look in, uh, uh, y'all know the scripture. Well, first Timothy, go there. First Timothy 6. I tell you folks, I just, I can, you can feel it coming. People are starting to, 
to jump around. Y'all remember the 88 reasons why Jesus had come in 1988? Oh, it was a blockbuster. Oh, man. And then the sequel is equally as good. 89 reasons why he's coming in 1989. If you miss the first one, you can catch the second one. Oh, my God. People just inundated this church. Lining up, walking in. I ain't seen some of them in months or years. Oh, I'm back. Jesus knows my heart. Is that good news? Really? You show up after five years and now Jesus knows my heart. That's the sense I'm getting right now. That people know something's going on and they're trying jumping around trying to fix it. Too late. First Timothy. Did I say that? I'm still trying to find it. Six. Verse 9. Those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root, or some say the root, of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith. Plan A with apo on top of it. Strayed from the faith in their greediness. And pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Wow. This, this kind of, it takes the word plan A and adds another word, Greek word, apo to it. Wow. What a word. It means this, uh, to separate, a separation which causes the union or the fellowship that we have in the body of Christ to be destroyed. You know, one of the great benefits of being a Christian is the fellowship that comes with it. John the Apostle says, you can come in and be with us and have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father. And in Him is light and there's no darkness at all. So if you want to partake with us, it's yours. But His light will change you. It will correct you. But if you have a lot of money, it can destroy that fellowship. And the tool that God uses to change you is gone. Amen. We're supposed to correct it. James 5. James 5, verse 19. Brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth, plan A. If any of you wanders from the truth, and we know the truth is needed to set you free, and someone turns him back, makes a 180 with him, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way, the plan A of his way, will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. In other words, your truth will actually let love in, cover the multitude of the sin. But you've got to be able and willing to speak the truth. Amen. Some people like it. Some people don't. That's the way it goes. But it's a big deal at the end. Look over Matthew 24. This is where we have some fun. Matthew 24.
verse 3. And Jesus said on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be? What will be the sign of your coming, his return, and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. Plan A. That no one puts that deception on you. Verse 5. This is the part that just makes your head spin. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. Let's stop right there. Let me just read that in another way. Many will come in his name. And here's their message. I am one of the anointed. That's what that word Christ is. I am anointed. They don't have to say, I am Jesus. They're not that stupid. They will say, I am anointed. They will come in his name and say this. Trust me. I am anointed. Let's take up an offering. Y'all hear me? It's real subtle. And we just, I'm amazed at the songs we sang this morning. This is a boot. What does he do? He heals people. Cast out devils. This is a boot. Is that the end of it? Just to seize a boot? If we do it in the name of Jesus, does that cover everything? But it might get us into this scripture. Your motive is big in this issue. Your motive. And because of what they do, many will be deceived. I remember when I first started going to a church like this uh, back in the 80s, these guys coming in here preaching money, boy, they were, they were absolutely convincing. They were very talented. But I've got to say, a lot of them, I wouldn't listen to it again for nothing. I just wouldn't do it. Because it was about money. I'm just telling you all the truth. Look down at verse 11. Many false prophets will rise up. And plot A, deceive many. And because lawlessness, and I think these things go together, when preachers come and they don't have a, the law of God keeping them within some kind of constraints, lawlessness has no boundaries. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. It will wane. Your love quotient goes down. You can't speak truth. You ain't got much love. And you're a set duck for people with power. That's the truth. Ephesians 4. We're not supposed to be like this. Just set ducks for this thing. The body of Christ is supposed to grow up. And Ephesians 4 is one of the... I mean, every chapter in here says something about this. But look at chapter 4, verse... 11, no, 13. We're supposed to all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, or a completely mature man, the body of Christ, a mature bride, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's our, the way we're supposed to get. That's as good as it can get. Just like Him. Keep reading. 
that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of plotting, plotting, deceitful plotting. But, here's our part, speaking the truth in love. That's our response to this thing, this deceit. May grow up in all things unto him who is the head, Christ, whom, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective, work, effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. In other words, we're supposed to grow up. And we're supposed to be like Jesus. And just like Jesus dealing with a rich young widow, we need to deal with her. You call people into account for the things that they ought to be doing and for the things they should be doing. That's our call. Y'all believe it? I just read it. We're supposed to speak it. Look over in Second Thessalonians. This gets better. We saw what Matthew 24 said about this when Jesus returns. This is going to be the hot ticket item right here. Look at verse 1. The caption above it. The great apostasy. We're still dealing with people who are, who are sweating away. They like what they're hearing on TV and on YouTube and on Facebook. They like these big conventions where they promise you all these wonderful things that are going on wherever their ministry is. But by God, you don't see them down here, now do you? Do you? Never seen one? Did you know because of that, leaders everywhere are starting to leave the faith? Have y'all heard about the Hillsong guy? Why is he leaving the faith? No one's getting healed. You, you think he's not in those big arms forever? 20,000 people are, and they're proclaiming all this? And he said, no one's getting healed. Where's the ones getting raised from the dead? Oh, they're over in Africa. How come they're never here? Is that a good question? You got a video of this so that we can all see it and give praise to Jesus. Oh, no, trust me, my mouth is moving. I'm not overstating it. Keep reading. Verse 1. Therefore, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to Him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by the Spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. Let no one deceive you. Plot A. No one deceive you by any means. For that day will not come unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin or the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of perdition, the Antichrist. So, he's going to come. He's going to be revealed before we're ever taken out of this place. All right? Don't be deceived. All right. Look down in verse 7. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. Question. Who is that? Who restrains lawlessness? Folks, I'm going to tell you something here. Just like Jesus, well, let me rephrase that. We just read in Ephesians. Who's supposed to, who is supposed to elanco each other? The body of Christ. How are you supposed to do it? 
by the Spirit. Don't do it hearing of the uh, ears or the seeing of your eyes. Hear the Holy Spirit speak in truth and elenco one another, speak truth to one another, whether you're slipping away or not doing what you're supposed to do. This is how the body of Christ is used by God. We correct each other. The next chapter says we correct the world that's full of darkness. We're used by God. But we have to have the Holy Spirit to do it. Who is it that restrains? The Holy Spirit using people. Y'all got that? So, this lawless thing will continue until God takes us and the Holy Spirit out of here. Y'all understand that? So, God uses men. Understand? But the lawless one, what does he do? Look down in verse 9. The coming of the lawless one is according to the ring of Satan, with all power, signs, and lying wonders. What's he going to use? How about men? Hold your place there. Look at Matthew. If God uses men, would the devil use men? Matthew 7. Fifteen, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or fish from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears forth good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree can't bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. And so forth. Look at verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, here we go, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father in heaven, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not... Here comes your gifts, your miracles, your wonders, signs and lying wonders, prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, done many wonders in your name. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Folks, you can't have it both ways. Get some discernment going. Read what's really there. Now, many of you young people, I'm speaking right at you. You got some superstars out there? Why don't you look at the fruit? And I'm not blaming you. We did the same thing. And now I'm up here wishing I hadn't done it. I'm you, don't do that. Go back to Thessalonians. If the Holy Spirit will use men to like to speak the truth and love to, to the body and perfect it, you can guarantee yourself Satan will use men as well. And they will look just like sheep. And they will be gifted. And they'll show it. Verse 10. With all lies, all unrighteous deception, day among those who perished because they did not receive the love of the truth. So they're being deceived by the love, because they don't receive the love of the truth. The truth will come if they don't like that. They don't receive the love of the truth. That they might be saved. And for this reason, God will, God will send them strong plan A. You think Satan got one? Wait till God sends his. Now you're in deep trouble. He does it so that they could believe a lie and they could be condemned. 
When Jesus sends this light, He didn't send it to condemn us, but I guarantee you, He knows that light will demand an answer. And if you don't love Him, condemnation is already there. You're walking in it. So the body of Christ is coming to a place where the, the funny things are over. Funny days, done. And I expect to see more people get, get this. They can hear the sound of that train coming around the bend. All oh, the prosperity was always wrong. Far out, dude. Look in your own life. Look around. God is moving. I'm just telling you one area. Here's the, another area. He who do, does not gather with me scatters. Why do we have such trouble bringing the body of Christ together in Andrews? You can play the game for a long time. But there is a day where all accounts are settled. And then we'll know. Amen? So if I were y'all, I'd get my little tail right up there in the Mustang boat. I'm not trying to condemn you into something, but I'm trying to say, you ought to think about it. Well, shout me down. I got a pretty good story myself. <laughs> Some serious stuff being said around here. Y'all know this? Now, I'm going to get real personal, and then we're going to leave. Are you sword generation guys still reading your Bible? Do I need to come down there? I read Seriously. Did you know that the biggest target for plan A is people who don't know the word? And don't think a scripture a day is going to cover it. You're a fool if you think that. Read the freaking Bible. All of it. Amen? <laughs> what else can we do? <laughs> guys, I mean, I really love you guys. I think you're a wonderful church. I really do. I think you're the best church in Andrews. But you know what? If you don't read that Bible, you're screwed. Am I using too many straight words? Keeping it real. I'm not kidding you. Satan uses the Bible to deceive. And if you don't know the dad, you're a sucker for any word that comes out of his mouth. Well, that's in the Bible. Is that King James? You're done. Done. Amen. Father, I just pray blessing and great grace upon them all. Let them know your word. Let them love your word. Oh, God, give us the love for truth. Please, God, do that. Please do that. I bless them in Jesus' name. Continue your work and complete it. Is my prayer. In that name. Amen. Tonight's six. You know where.